The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Hello, and welcome to another season of The Answer. Uh, Today we have Kyle Mann, friend of the show, low-key instigator. Uh, Y'all might not know it. I, I I can see him in front of me. He is just wearing what looks like the comfiest hoodie of all time and soft friendly eyes and this nice beard and like you know you guys all hear his voice emphasis on soft very soft friendly Eh, you know the beard is narrating all your favorite basketball videos and i'm sure he seems like the nicest guy in the world but you you don't want to test it so we're just jumping right into this right so we're we're just we're just gonna has anyone tested you today no one has like stepped to me today um i mean should should we say up front i mean uh, I don't, I don't want to like jump into this as if there's no precedent for why, you know, right. Or no reason because we, we're going to talk about like aggression today. Right. So yes. like, so right away, I think that I should say this about, you know, Sierra and I met for the first time in LA. It's been like a month ago now. Right. Yeah, exactly. A month. So we meet and we're talking and, and one of the, one of the conversation things that I told over dinner was, um, people, I think generally, and this is people are that are meeting me in my thirties are kind of like Kyle's really mellow. Like that's generally what I get from they're like even keel dude, you know, just laid back, whatever. I'm wearing a drug rug for God's sakes, right? So is that what that's called? That was you know, some people call them drug rugs, Bajas, okay. uh joking name. Uh anyway, so yeah, I, I was telling you guys stories about, you know, we're talking about playing basketball because that's still a big part of my life, always has been, never really stopped. Like, I still, you know, I'm always playing. I love to play. Love it, love it, love it. But a thing about me that people never expect is that I am an aggressive person on the court. Um, very aggressive. Um, I have I've had times in my life where I have been very confrontational. Uh, I like to win. If I feel like people are screwing up, I might, you know, say something. 
Uh, I like to pick people to battle with, like to, to like say, I'm going to set out to like compete with you. But the first thing that I told them was a story about somebody um, saying that I was some guy like switched on to me, like basically implying like, oh, you're older. I'm going to take a break. This dude who was like a younger guy. And I took that really personally and just went after him. He called me Poppy and I got really mad. <laughs> he called me. He said, what's up, Poppy? He said, what's up, Poppy? And I was like, I'm about to bury this motherfucker. And I went wild. So anyway. That's why we have you on today. I'm not a great player, but I'm an okay player. But we, yeah. do you want me to launch into the Russian Mike story? No, or no, what not we? yet. Not okay. yet. We'll save that for a little bit later. Um, right now, I just... You know, I think this, this, uh, you, you set it up great because we're going to be talking about Draymond Green today. I don't think that there's anybody at, at the ringer who's better suited to, to get into the psyche of one Draymond Green and the general sort of the, the relationship between sports, the NBA and aggression and physicality. And when that, when that line is overstepped, then, uh, then you, and this is, this is an interesting, this has been an interesting story. For, it's, it's been developing for the last week or so, and we're not going to spend too much time on it because, you know, I think everyone has kind of talked about it at this point. But one of the things that really stood out to me is just like, this is a hard one for us lay people to try to calibrate in our own minds. You know, every once in a while, there's a story that happens in sports that kind of comes up against our real life morality. Like the morality of sports comes up against the way that we actually do things on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and that, that is definitely the situation with Draymond Green. I think when we all saw the video, uh, it kind of, it upped the cognitive dissonance there. Uh, I, was, I was at dinner a few nights ago. I was talking to a, to a Warriors fan and she asked me this really good question. And it was basically just, why can't we seem to collectively decide whether or not this is a big deal? Like you have heard every single thing on the spectrum. This has been a very enlightening week for me personally, just as somebody who has never been in, in these types of situations. I've uh, been probably actively, actively run from them. So you're a trash talker. You kind of, that was something we kind of bonded over a little bit. Yeah, I feel like court, is... I save it. For, I save it for the court, you know, I save it for the court, but in yeah. real life, you know, I was, we we're talking before the pod, like I'm, I'm a five, six girl. If I try to, if I try to talk shit, it's still just like, people think it's adorable. They think it's like, cool. It's like, Oh, like what, a, what, a, what an interesting surprise. Didn't think you, you, had, you were spicy. And I was like, Oh, it's like, okay. Like I'm never, I'm never going to get punched in the face for, for talking shit. You know what I mean? Have you ever come close though? How close have you come? <sighs> I've been nearly punched many times. Like, like I, I, I've had several that like, I've had several situations like, and, and this goes into kind of the reaction, I think, that we we both have kind of comically observed from different walks of life, different people who have been in these types of situations. I've been close to what, to the situation Poole was in many times and gotten out of it. But I, I was curious if you had. not Probably not after junior high, you know. I definitely, I got into some fights when I was a kid. Uh, and then I, I, I smartened up a little bit, you know, it's, it's, it is, you're right. It's a, it's one where it totally depends on your experience, how you feel about it. And in the NBA world, there's this sort of thing right now where this is a, the biggest deal in the world. Uh, Steve Kerr called it the biggest crisis the Warriors have faced, but also like simultaneously in different moments has tried to act like it wasn't a big deal. And that if the video never came out, they would have handled it in internally. Like the, the company line from the Warriors essentially is just like, like 
this is unacceptable, but also we kind of accept it. Like this is, <laughs> like, <laughs> we're uh, going to have it. to re-earn our trust, but we're not going to suspend him uh, at the same time. So it's, it's, a, it's a weird one. Obviously Steve Kerr has been in this situation too. Like his, his uh, practice scuffle with Michael Jordan, which obviously was not, you know, it didn't, didn't get leaked. Uh, but it's one that we have all, you know, talked about a lot. That's a, uh, and it was also interesting to me that there's also the subsect of the NBA and also the Warriors and, and Kerr actually like to bring it back to him and Draymond that uh, seemed, I don't want to say equally as offended by the fact that the video leaked, but pretty offended that the video leaked. And it was, it was hard to tell. Like uh, Kerr had a moment where he said, he said no comment about something and he was, he was really angry. And then he had to kind of walk it back and he knew right away that people would interpret his anger as being towards Draymond, but his anger was actually about the fact that the video leaked. Mm. Um, and I think that just comes down to the fact that like, there are different rules in sports because different things win in sports. Right. And that's ultimately what this like comes down to for, for the, for the players and, and the coaches, right? Like having things leak out of a practice is bad for the teams like the, the word trust has been has been used in both both uh, both these scenarios but it seems like the leak um is a bigger breach of trust than Draymond's you know fist connecting with uh with Poole's ch- jaw there right like those are that's something that we see happen in sports or that people who work in professional sports see happen in sports but Oh, that type of thing leaking is pretty unprecedented. So like there seems to be way more surprise about that than there is about, you know, the punch itself. Right. Yeah. It's, and it seems, I was thinking back about, you made the comment about Kerr um, and, and the, in the Jordan fight. And it's funny you said that it didn't leak, but I'm, I mean, I'm a little older than you. And I remember that story came out, if I'm not mistaken, pretty quickly after it happened. Like, I mean, I feel like we can, and it just speaks to how, Sorry, I mean, a video. Leak. Sure, sure, sure. If there was video of it, that would be different, but we, we knew it happened. Nobody denied it happened. Um, and it's interesting how the world has kind of changed since then you know Mm -hmm. i mean that was 1997 1996 um and and we have moved towards this world of um trying to be more vigilant about policing you know these types of wrongs that kind of slid by in the past and we would say do the boys will be boys thing and just kind of laugh it off and and move along within basketball it does seem like a little bit of tension is permissible right like and we know that like draymond is a specific case and i think that you spoke to it i think the reason why this is the reason why it's unacceptable but still acceptable is that draymond just has leverage yeah a he has a history with them He's somebody that gets away with more even on the court in his aggressiveness and the way that he talks to people and the way that he talks to officials and the way that he talks back to Steve Kerr. And Kerr has the right temperament for that a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, I think that he's he's able to have that kind of leverage. And I think that's true just across all walks of life. Like your leverage really dictates your value to society. And this is like cruelly unfair in a lot of situations. Like people do terrible things in, mm-hmm. in some situations and we all, their value to us, they have leverage because we're like, well, we kind of like what they do. Like Prince apparently was horrible. I've heard stories from people what? who like knew people that worked from him for him behind the scenes. And they were like, Prince was a monster to the people that he worked that worked for him. And we all just kind of like, 
Man, I love uh, I love little red Corvette, man. I want to hear it live. You know, we kind of overlook things depending on your societal leverage, right? Yeah, I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> I can't hear about that. <laughs> this actually reminds me of a story that I, I you know, somebody who's working for for the Reps Association was talking to me a, a couple years ago about the different players that referees like and different players that referees don't like. And I also think that there is. Um, in, in sports, a respect for aggression over passive aggressiveness as well. Like passive aggressiveness naturally pisses most people off, but it really pisses people off in the sports world, like where there's a need for directness. And also just, there are so many cameras being pointed in all directions. Um, but what this person was essentially telling me was that people like reps and people who like work in the referees association, actually love Draymond. Hmm. I'm sure this isn't a blanket perspective. This is maybe just his perspective and, and, you know, some of the people who talk to him, but they love Draymond because when he's on TV and he's yelling at you, like he, it is very clear that like, that's what's happening, right? Like he doesn't necessarily come out of that situation looking good. You might actually have some sympathy for the refs and you're going to look at that situation. Most fans are going to look at that situation and say, you know, unless you're a Warriors fan, like he needs to stop yapping at the referees. One of the players they really don't like is Chris Paul oh. because they feel like Chris Paul is always trying to show them up. Like, you know, that video that went viral a few years ago of, of Paul, like fake laughing and then like just oh, turning yeah. the other way. It's and a just, meme. Like, he's, it's he's a legendary meme. So, yeah, now. yeah, that meme. Yeah. Um, that's the type of thing that they really don't like because it's like, you're just trying to pull one over on us and look smarter than us on national television. And that's just not really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, of nothing. It just remind it just reminded me of, you just reminded me of that. Yeah. It's like, it's an interesting thing. Cause like, there's a, there's a level of directness that, that Draymond operates with. Like, I, I think like I was listening to Logan and Raja and, and Logan basically called it like the, uh, the Draymond initiation, right? Like everyone kind of goes through it where he might say something that, you might not necessarily like, but that's just kind of who he is. And at the end of the day, like, you know, the Warriors, they love him. They say he has a heart of gold. So they also give him the benefit of the doubt for that reason. But also they really, really need Draymond. Like in the basketball sense. In the basketball they do. sense. Yes. 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 Um, I don't know. I don't know that that's not why they suspended him. They, they don't need him for the regular season. I, I frankly don't understand why they didn't suspend him, but in a playoff setting, if you look at the Warriors roster right now, they are much better situated to be able to replace, you know, Steph Curry with Jordan Poole than they are, you know, any anybody who could back up Draymond. That's a take right there. You think that? Oh, okay, it, yeah. Like, let me walk. Like, let's let's not. No, no. <laughs> hey, no. I like it. I like it. Let's let's litigate this a little. No, I think it's. I was going to ask you which which end of the floor do you think he is like more like irreplaceable like which which end of the floor you think is way more important for them because he's important on both people underestimate that both sides of the ball he's really important yeah when he was injured in the regular season last year like that that offense did not look good it was it was disjointed but at the same time i think that a team with steph curry and jordan Poole and clay thompson and wiggins is going to figure it out on offense like it would be a different configuration it wouldn't be quite as beautiful other people would have to go into more playmaking positions 
And I don't want to underrate Draymond's playmaking ability by any means. This is all just to say that on the defensive end, they badly need somebody like Draymond. Like he is, like, he is the source of all of their fuel, you know? Um, not to say that the rest of those guys aren't competitors, but at the same time, like they don't have another guy like him who is going to fire people up. Right. Like this is, this is also the thing that is like really beautiful about the warriors and, and what has up until this point made them one of the best stories in sports and one of the most important teams, the most important team, actual team, you know, of, of the past decade is that like, they have this when it works, they have this really incredibly beautiful yin and yang, not just on the court, but personality wise in that locker room where you have a guy like Steph, who is like outside of Jokic, the, probably the nicest, most affable superstar in the league. You have clay who is just like incredibly Zen, like at all times. Right. All, all these guys are really super competitive though, but you're right. Absolutely, they manifest yeah. it differently. And I think Draymond is, is, the driving force absolutely for that. Yeah. it's kind of like did you ever watch inside out the the kids movie yeah the pixar movie yeah. yes yes i'm a parent of course there are certain elements and there's certain personalities that are <laughs> yeah. not as respected not as liked but i think the point of that movie at the end was that you kind of you in order to like optimize as a human being and also and as a team you need to have every single element and you need to see the value in every single element. Right. And that's what the warriors have kind of always done at their best. Like they don't really sweat the small stuff when it comes to, this is the thing that makes a guy who he is like clay Thompson is never going to hear something about how there's a shot that he shouldn't be taking. And there's like for Curry, there's no such thing as a bad shot. And he has this, like, he has this game that like, that can go from like laissez faire to, to reckless but it also makes the Warriors part of who they are. And then with Draymond, you have this, this incredible fire that also can devolve into recklessness as well. Uh, but they all care deeply and they all kind of understand each other's humanity in a way. Right. Um, yeah. And that's, that's allowed them to be an actual team for a really long time. Now, I don't know where this goes from here, but that's just to say they need him. And, this sort of feel this, this aggression, like just the physicality is a really fundamental part of sports. It's just a matter of like finding where the line is. You, you really hit on it. And I think your like description of like the dynamics of an organization. I mean, part of the point of inside out was like that, like they come to realize that like, Oh, sadness doesn't need to like run the show, but right. it, sadness is an important balance or anger is okay in certain situations. And I think you're really hitting on something here that maybe I I'm realizing in the moment is a really good point that like the warriors do balance those things really well. And the fact that they do play close to the fire, you're absolutely right mm -hmm. about like Steph does walk a tightrope between chaos and like discipline and like profound discipline and skill. And then you think about, and the comparison that I made to you earlier when we were talking was just that like, I've, I've had this thought about like great teams in the past and maybe they are just like the, the latest great iteration of this. We've seen teams in the past that I was running down historically like championship teams in the past. You know, Draymond's already been on a few um, like Bobby Portis was a guy that I pointed to who seemed like a, always seemed a little teetering on the verge of out of control. Ron Artest, I think uh, Kevin Garnett could walk the line a lot. He's probably personality wise the most similar to Draymond. But the comparison I made was just like I, like in a house, 
you have a pilot light in a furnace. You have this little light that like you want, it needs to be in that spot and it's okay for that to burn and it can heat the whole house. But if the pilot light is too big or it's not in inside the furnace, it could very well burn the house down. So it's like, it's important to have it. But I think you can have one guy like Draymond. I don't know if you can have more than that. That's something mm-hmm. that I guess you could organizationally kind of ask a coach. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's a really good point about like the way the balance of the way that organization runs. Right. I love I love that analogy because if you think about the other end of it, um, a house without a furnace at all, right? Like that, <laughs> that's uh, you're gonna you're gonna freeze. You're gonna freeze. And we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about some of these teams that that could use a little bit more fire after the break. Tip off the NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Plus, FanDuel is the only sportsbook that's giving all customers three months of NBA League Pass when they make a $5 bet. Then you can watch all the action as you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to totals. One sneaky bet that I really like is uh, the Denver plus 850 to come out of the Western Conference. That one, I don't know. I think that's a value one right there. The other one is right now, Joel Embiid is a favorite to lead the league in points. But if you look at Philly, they're looking pretty well balanced out there. Maxi is making a jump. I might smash that plus 480 on Luka. So don't miss your chance to get $150 in free bets plus three months of NBA League Pass with promo code RINGERNBA. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342, Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com, Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369, New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789, Tennessee. 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming. Or visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. So Kyle, I was just, uh, I just got to spend a little bit of time in, uh, in Ontario, LA or Ontario, California, which, uh, which actually one of the Nuggets players confused for Ontario, Canada, which makes perfect sense. Uh, it is genuinely it a confusing thing. Uh, no, it was Ishmael. Uh, he was like, yeah, I thought we were going to Canada for a sec. Uh, but I, I got to spend some time with Denver and, uh, one, one thing that they realized about their team last season is that they just completely like, they didn't have enough physicality. They didn't have enough toughness. They didn't have enough size. Uh, 
Now the Denver season last year was not really about making a championship run. It was about trying to find a silver lining in the Jamal injury that then turned into a season that was completely about survival. And they they ended up signing the Marcus cousins who, you know, was nice in that he fit seamlessly into the offense, but didn't really provide a lot on defense. Perfect player. Perfect player. He was a great player for the situation they were in. They No, I mean, without flaw. Oh, Marcus Cousins is a perfect player. Yeah, I think he's being blackballed unfairly by the NBA. Um, The most skilled big in the world. It's just, it's like my my token thing I have to do. Sorry, go ahead. Continue with your thought. Oh, are you a big DeMarcus Cousins fan? Do you, is that a serious question? I got. Is he being being blackballed? Or, I mean, like he's got, he's got some stuff. He's dealing with some criminal charges or I think maybe that's over, but. Yeah, yeah, maybe I should back off of supporting him. So I don't know. We'll, we'll. We'll have to reevaluate. You, you back me off of the Steph Curry thing. I might back you off of the cousins. Maybe thing. I should reevaluate. I don't know. Great player though. My dog's name's Boogie. Anyway, I derailed you. Please continue with your thought there. Your your dog's name is Boogie. Boogie, not Boogie, but Boogie. Yeah, Boogie. Boogie, okay. Boogie cousins. Yeah. Right. 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 Boogie cousins. And one day I'll learn how to pronounce Louisville as well. We'll work on it. We'll work on. It. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, but I was uh, I was in Denver and. Uh, this is a team that then, you know, reevaluated in this offseason, tried to kind of recalibrate. And this is what they've always been trying to do, find the right balance around Jokic and just the incredible offense that he can take. This is an offense that's never really going to have issues, but they're, they're kind of similar uh, to the Warriors and that they need a counterbalance for that. So they signed Bruce Brown, they signed Contavious Caldwell Pope. They signed DeAndre Jordan, Jamal, when, you know, as he, as he works his way back from the ACL is definitely one of their more fiery players. And they look to me like a team that has now sort of found, or it will be maybe on their way to finding that balance. They have the ingredients. They're not quite there yet. We haven't seen too much of them in the preseason, but they're a team that I'm going to be paying close attention to and close attention to that aspect of it. But one of the things that I found interesting was that it seems like while they want to get tougher, they are still trying to strike a balance and maintain that identity of sort of niceness that they have developed over the last few years. Uh, Denver has become a place that I think NBA players look at it and they're like, well, this is actually pretty pleasant. There are 30, 300 days of sun a year. I can golf all the time. Uh, everyone in the city is just incredibly friendly and the team is friendly. And Jokic is like the, one of the best superstars that you could play alongside. And there's just a good vibe there. Everybody wants to live in Denver, right? I mean, it's like you visit, you don't want to do. leave. I, I, I think that goes beyond NBA players. It's just like, it's a, just a chill place. And, uh, once you get there, you don't want to go. It's awesome. I said incredible food and drink out there and uh, mm-hmm. party supplies, et cetera. You know, we'll leave it at that. But it, yeah, everybody wants to, everybody wants to live in Denver, I think. Yeah, who doesn't want to live in Denver, sure. right? So they, they have this. And that one of the things that I'm going to be really curious to follow is that while they have added toughness, this is not a team with a lot of asshole energy. You know what I mean? And like you were saying, that list that you pulled up there, like it had Bobby Portis on it, you know, Last year's finals were the Celtics and and, and the Warriors. Uh, the Celtics have plenty of guys who can kind of fall into that that category. I think like no, not necessarily assholes, but like just instigators, people who kind of piss off the other side, right? Yeah. Uh, like Marcus Smart. You mentioned Bobby Portis. You know, you also you, on your list you had you know for 2020 you had Rondo and and Markeith Morris as well. Um, and I'm I'm going to be curious to watch the Nuggets and see how far they can get 
being a tough mind, trying to be a tough minded defensive team that doesn't necessarily have that extra edge. You know what I mean? Do you think Bones Highland is kind of like, he is a spicy dude. Like he's really talkative, really competitive. Like he loves to talk shit whenever I watch it. He cracks me up. Like mm-hmm. he seems like somebody, but it almost seems like if you're going to have that type of presence on the team, it works best if it's coming from a position of influence. Like the player is kind of naturally already in a leadership position. Like I know I said Rondo, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, he was Rondo gets respect from other players in the league, but um, I don't know. Do you think, do you agree or disagree with that? That it probably should come from somebody like it can't just be like Giannis powers the bucks in his co- competition like Giannis mm-hmm. is a huge competitor. Like, and in his drive is like otherworldly. I guess it's, it. I guess it doesn't need to follow the same script every single time, right? Yeah, it, it it doesn't necessarily. But I hear what you're saying. You almost want it to be somebody who you can't immediately discredit at, at the same time, right? Like, if you're an NBA player, like there's there's a level at which you could be like, who's Bones Highland, you know? But at the same time, somebody like Bones Highland could use that to their advantage as well, because when someone that you don't know is doing that, and there's like almost it's like who person think they are sort of thing that can also get under your skin as well and i think you kind of you kind of saw that in the early going like the early makings of some of like the classic sort of instigators right like uh you know, Joakim Noah is somebody who just came to mind. Who's somebody who actually like really pissed off his own veteran teammates in his rookie year and pissed off the entire league because they were like, who is this dude? And why does he think he can act this way? If you don't actually listen, if you don't let that part of it get to you and you just continue to behave that way, maybe, maybe it works. Maybe it works. I was a little skeptical of bones like that. Bones is also, a, a, I asked, I asked uh, somebody in Denver about this and bones was who was kind of brought up to me as a counter. And I just don't, I don't know. I'm curious. I'm curious to see where br- he was brought up as the counter to what exactly to, to the argument that there are no assholes. On okay. The team, so they think no, he like, is uh, kind of instigators on the as, team. So he, like, maybe it's a point uh, like a, uh, an issue of him proving himself. Like you said, maybe this year he has a big breakout year and people are like, okay, like Patrick Beverly, he gets to kind of behave the way he does because he has established, he keeps getting contracts because he's somebody that, has some defensive value. And he's somebody that's yeah. kind of been ported into different situations. I, I guess, how difficult is it to import that? Uh, that's that's the question. Because if somebody comes in, today everybody knows everybody. It's not like as compartmentalized as it was in like the 70s, 80s, 90s. All these players know each other because they intermingle mm-hmm. and grew up together and things like that. I guess I wonder, like, is it, can you import that to a team that needs it or, or can it, you know, self-destruct if you try? I mean, Patrick Beverly is a great example of that. Pat, Beverly is almost like a literal spark plug. Like you actually just, you plug him in and you see if it gets the engine going, right? <laughs> I don't know anything about cars. I think that's how <laughs> spark plugs work. <laughs> um, but I think, I, I think like the Clippers run and the, and the Wolves run are both really instructive um, with the Clippers. He was an instrumental piece in getting a team that probably shouldn't have had any business being close to playoffs and getting them to be competitive, getting them to be prideful, getting them to care about playing defense. Like he was a really good piece in that regard. But then when Kawhi and Paul George get in there, first of all, it kind of undermines his leadership position as well. 
And he's asking these questions that, you know, are fair questions, but you're not necessarily supposed to ask a superstar is like, Hey, why do you get to do all these things differently? And, and we don't, yeah. right. That's, that's back to the leverage thing there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not necessarily fair, but it's how sports works. And you gotta, you know, when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard arrive, the entire shape of the organization is going to change. Right. And Patrick Beverly is somebody who is able to, who's, who it, it feels like kind of channeled that frustration and turned and, and created not necessarily created. It's like, these things aren't necessarily intentional. It's just kind of how, you know, personalities drive together. There was a fact, it created the sense of, you know, there were factions in the Clippers locker room because they had a spokesman and a guy like Beverly. Um, and that can be really important. I think a guy like Rondo has, has done that well uh, with, with young players in certain instances. And then there's also the case of when he was, with, uh, with the Chicago bulls. And he became like sort of the shepherd of, of the young guys that were just kind of uh, pissed at, at, at Butler and Wade for, for calling out, uh, their, their lack of defensive effort, mm-hmm. uh, which by the way, totally was real. Um, it's, it's interesting. Like actually Minnesota was just here a little while ago too. And, uh, they didn't bring Patrick Beverly back last season. Now Beverly was very, very important to the Wolves culture last year. They couldn't stop raving about how important he was. Like he was, you know, it seemed like Anthony Edwards basically just like, he just followed mostly like what, what Patrick Beverly was saying. And he, and, and Pat also was just a guy who was willing to defend the young players on the team. And he, you know, he was standing up for a team that is essentially like, if you look at cat, like, uh, and, and Russell too, and on some extent, to some extent, like players who have been criticized for, mm-hmm for being soft in, in the past. Right. Uh, I think, I think he, and I think there's truth to that. I think he was really good for them and in, in sort of just holding them accountable on defense. And Ant needed that. Ant, Ant has struggled with that at lower levels that like he was a little lot, you know, lack, lackadaisical about defensive effort. He would check in and check out just consistently learning how to play hard. That's huge for somebody like him. Yeah, absolutely. 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 I think like as a rookie, you probably like just any rookie, but you know, especially, especially somebody like him, that's a great point, but they didn't bring it back. They didn't bring it back. And I kind of like part of me sort of wonders if there was an intentionality Mm. to that too. Or just that, like that maybe we are seeing him as more or less expendable maybe than they are, you know, that we're, we're thinking maybe they don't see it the exact same way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess, well, they obviously did. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like on the court, right? Like just like what he brings just defensively in general. Sure. I mean, I'm in the course of us from the outside talking about this, maybe we're overrating a little bit his impact on them, but like you said, yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe they, or maybe they thought that like the lesson was learned and it was fine to move on. I think, I think that's kind of, uh, that's kind of where it is. I think they, they overrated his impact all by themselves like they they loved overrating him, his impact all season right and at, it's like after the lesson is learned where does a guy like Patrick Beverly necessarily go it's kind of like some of these coaches that wear out their welcome right like a, a Tom Thibodeau type of coach is kind of historically you kind of know like it's going to be great for two or three years and then after a while the players just start kind of tuning him out I don't know if that was necessarily the case in Minnesota but that's kind of like the sense I got of like you know how long can you necessarily keep a guy like him around especially they have this defensive infusion coming in with, with Rudy Gobert, who I think will be a very interesting replacement. Um, he is apparently just like, he was kind of described to me as somebody who has been doing a good job of holding the team accountable, right. um, on defense while also just having a manner of speaking that was still 
much more affable. Now, I don't know if you're, if you play for the played for the Utah jazz in the last few years, you might disagree with that characterization of things, but that just kind of goes back to what essentially this whole conversation is about is like this, this push and pull. The other thing with defensive anchors also, especially when there are young players on the team, when it's not necessarily a full, like a, a totally vet, veteran group that will kind of always, you know, take it upon themselves to be prideful on, on defense is that they can't just be the guy on the court. That's, that's talking and, you know, cleaning things up. It also, the onus kind of in some situations, I think this is the situation with Draymond. I think it became the situation with Gobert where the onus is also on them to become almost like an impromptu defensive coordinator Mm -hmm. for the team as well, where it's also their job to call out things in film sessions to make sure that, you know, those perimeter players aren't taking too many plays off. And that that's where it seemed like there was tension in, in the jazz locker room with Gobert, but also kind of attention that is, that is necessary for, for winning. Yeah. I think that like a player's social impact can obviously shift a lot from from environment to environment. You're talking about the Jazz being you know tired of of, of that, or maybe they were just maybe there. I'm sure there were a lot of other things kind of baked into that. I always think about like Chris Paul, his dynamic with his mm-hmm. teammates over the years. You would just hear these stories about him. You told the story about like them res- resenting him showing them up. Different, obviously, but I always think about the way he was kind of has had a reputation for being kind of domineering with, with his, with his peers and it would kind of wear people out. You would hear stories about the people just getting sick of it. You know, everybody has immense respect for his knowledge and things like that. But like sometimes a guy can be at a certain point in their career. And the thing that wore their peers out is actually going to work for, for the, for a younger group of players. I think the Pat Bev thing is interesting. I think the CP three and Phoenix thing has been very interesting because suddenly he moves into this talking about a team that, and I think we should be careful. We're talking, we're, we're sort of lauding this, this fire and this thing. And we're talking about, I I don't, I want to be careful that it, that it's not like, Hey, every team needs a Draymond that's going to be willing to punch somebody in the face it's like it is like such a like perilous thing to to -hmm. navigate having somebody that burns that hot i'm sure chris paul's gotten in tons of arguments Mm -hmm. and practice and things like that and like but but it is interesting how when you recontextualize him with the younger team um they were willing to listen to him they respected him they were bought in and it really made a big profound impact on that organization yeah that's a that's that's a good point i think like what Draymond's punch is essentially like the shadow side of mm-hmm. what is a sort of necessary characteristic uh, for not necessarily every team needs to have a guy like Draymond, but I think every championship team definitely needs to have a sense of accountability and, and an edge. And, you know, like with the Chris Paul point, that's really interesting because one thing that I'm going to be really curious to see going forward with the Warriors is if Draymond is actually able to be that voice um, going forward. Like, you know, that right now they're talking about how he has to basically just re-earn the trust of that team within that period. Let's say the Warriors get off to a lackadaisical defensive start, right? Like I think in the past, what's worked really well for Draymond is just, it's, it's essentially the same characteristic that it seems that seems like the reason that they give him the benefit of the doubt beyond his value on the court is just that this is a guy who has been able to make up for it. This is a guy who, wants to do good, who genuinely does care about his teammates. Um, he has done a lot in the, like that, that punch basically, I, th- I think kind of tears a 
tears at that fabric a little bit there. And I'm, well, I guess maybe it does. I'm, I'm curious to see if it does tear at that fabric. And then if he's able to be the guy who calls people out on defense. Yeah. Cause you just need, you need to know that that guy cares about you. Right. Yeah. Or you need something. I, I think that was, that was a thing that's allowed Draymond to, pers- uh, to kind of persist and, and continue to be that voice in, in, uh, in the Warriors locker room without really necessarily like wearing himself out too much. Mm-hmm. I think like a guy like Michael Malone, who's been the Denver coach for seven years. And for seven years, he has been the sort of loudest, most abrasive voice, uh, which is really rare for, for a coach. Right. Right. But he's managed to survive because I think his players know that he cares about them too. So it's, that'll be something that's really interesting to kind of see going forward with this warrior season. Yeah. And you would think it's, you were talking about how sports are sort of, we always expect sports to be like an exact microcosm of how the real world is. And, and, and mm-hmm. you know, whether it's kind of the opposite, rightly or wrongly, it's just not. And, and, yeah. and it's it, sports in a way simulate confrontation. You could go down a hundred paths about why we as human beings seek that out and get, you know, enjoyment from that. Or like, why, why do I enjoy be, like playing confrontation and but then it should be over mm-hmm. as soon as you know what i mean and like it, we should simulate this competitiveness we walk away we're fine most people you know are like that but it's like draymond is somebody that this isn't the first time that his mm-hmm. his personality has cost the warriors dearly so if it happens again um i mean kevin durant was probably going to leave either way I, w- I wouldn't say and i'm yeah i, w- I wouldn't say that that's like the worst time but you know him him losing his cool in the finals like it's it's had dire kind of consequences the the suspension in in 2016 is a big one the 2018 one especially with the fact that he got suspended afterwards i kind of look back at and i'm like man was that was that a little bit overblown there yeah like like we can get into some of the teams right now that i think that really need some Draymond some fire. Not, they don't need fire. They don't need punches in the face in, in practice, but they need fire, right? I was they just trying to fire. be careful. They need some fire. Maybe they need some Patrick Beverly. Maybe, you know, I, I don't know. Who are, the, who are the other guys in the league that you can kind of plug and play? Maybe they need some PJ Tucker energy. Sure, sure. And man, even like last year's Nets were the first team that came to my mind. You know? Interesting. Interesting. So, so you think that their situation would have been, how do you think it would have been different if they had had an enforcer type of player out there? Maybe a Zach Randolph. There are 40 different reasons that sure. the Nets were bad last year. Right. But I think if we actually, let's, let's not look at that just last year. Let's look at the Nets in totality since like the, since Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have teamed up there. They're a team that has incredible offensive fire, firepower and just like gets really, really, really lackadaisical on, on the defensive end in ways that are just borderline unacceptable. Like the, the amount of times that a team takes the ball out of the basket and gets a layup on the nets is just like, it, it is just yeah. soul crushing. Honestly, I think they need somebody. They needed somebody who would yell at them for that. Right. Like Kevin might not, Kevin might not like that Draymond Green was, was yelling in his face. And also like, you know, in, in fairness to Katie, I think, I don't think that like, if you are going to talk about their defensive problems, he is probably not very high on that list, especially at his big age. But at the same time, like they just didn't have anybody that seemed like was concerned or alarmed about how lackadaisical they were on the defensive end for pretty much this entire Nets tenure. It's been like, Mm -hmm. we'll figure it out. 
we'll figure it out. And then they just don't really figure it yeah. out. Yeah. And it's, I mean, Durant can run a little hot. Maybe that's why he and Draymond specifically clash so much because Nash is more of the Kerr, hang back, zen, quiet, sort of from the Phil Jackson school. Of, of course, Kerr, on the other hand, can be really fiery. We've seen that too. He's kind of both ends of the spectrum, but he chooses yeah. to be a little more calm and cautious most of the time, it seems like. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Another one that you had written down here that I thought was interesting was the Hawks. What, what do you think it would do for the Hawks to have like uh, a fiery? Who's the most fiery guy they've had, honestly? I don't know that they've have they had a, a, a I mean probably Trey but in sort of a different way. I was going to say not not in that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean I would say sort of the, the leader of the defense is probably Clint Capella. Uh, mm-hmm. But Clint Capella is like a very soft spoken, patient, introspective, like guy who thinks about all sides of things type of guy. I think he's a good locker room leader in in different facets. Almost maybe providing the type of thing that that Steph Curry provides to the Warriors, where he can kind of understand a lot of different perspectives and try to sort of bring them together. He can understand why somebody like John Collins, he's been in the John Collins position, that's his career, just like catching lobs. He can understand why somebody like that would want more shots, but also kind of understand why somebody like that kind of needs to needs to defer. Um, he's played a lot mm-hmm. around a lot of superstars. He knows what it's like when there's a when there's a Trey Young who runs everything on the team, but he's not necessarily. Like he can try to get, get, get the locker room fired up, but I think that they don't necessarily like they could use, they could use Patrick Beverly this season. Also, obviously yeah. last year, I mean, last year's Lakers, <laughs> right. And some of this is like, you're not going to get, 
you're, you're not going to add Patrick Beverly or somebody like him. And then all of a sudden all your, all your bad offensive personnel becomes good, but it can just get people to care. You can get like most of the team to care 10% more like the Hawks last year were just a failure to launch situation. They couldn't put together mm-hmm. a good 48 minutes or incredibly talented team that was definitely more suited for the offensive end of, of the game but could play defense, but just didn't because they didn't really have a lot of players who really just hung their hats on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and they have guys that have kind of been in and out of the lineup. And I think guys, I actually think a Kong Wu could eventually become a, a great defensive anchor mm-hmm. for them. Like probably even better than Clint Capella. Yeah. Honest. If I'm being honest, I mean, I have a lot of respect for Capella, but yeah. More modern, uh, I'm really sure. high on a Kong Wu. Yeah. And I, I think Deandre Hunter staying healthy and, and be and growing as a player is going to make um, a big, a big difference for them too. And I, I guess like, yeah like just influencing superstars who need it like you said is important and then there's also there's also teams that have a little too much of that energy as well right i think like Mm -hmm. you know going back to the wolves uh they were a team and i don't want to put this on pat by any means they were a very young team they were a very fiery team and they had they had they had a young coach as well and they they were just really really tight-knit and you get you know, Anthony Edwards just has like this, this really interesting fuck you energy as well that, that I really like. Oh, yeah. Um, and they were a team that basically just, they lost themselves to playoffs against the Grizzlies. I mean, I don't know, like the, the Grizzlies and, and the Wolves were basically just in that series being like really young and really fiery and just kind of beating, they were beating themselves and beating each other at the same time. Like that was just an incredible series when it comes to just like mental mistakes, when it comes to turnovers, there was the Carl, Carl Towns got into a ton of foul trouble. Jaron Jackson got into a ton of foul trouble. Dylan Brooks got into a ton of foul trouble. Like they were both teams that you loved to see that level of passion. You love to see that level of passion from the Grizzlies. Um, you know, like, and they have, they have it all the way up and down the court. Right. Uh, from starting from jaw and just going all the way down. Like that's just kind of what they've scouted for in a way, like probably accidentally, but they have a certain personality mm. type that they like, and it all converged and created this team that is going to be incredibly promising for the next few years to come. But they also need to find a way to balance that out. And I thought it was really fascinating that while the wolves also didn't bring back Beverly, they also took like Kyle Anderson from the Grizzlies as well. And Anderson is one of the most sort of like calm, balanced players on that roster. So I'll be, I'll be, I almost wonder, I mean, the Gobert thing just adds. But a smart defender. Yeah. yeah, He sort of like brings skill set and and headiness without the volatility. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to tip the volatility scales too much. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've been on this rec league team for a few years now. Uh, Well, not anymore. It was this team that I was on when I was living in Edmonton. And we were always just kind of having fun. Like we wanted to do well, but like we could never really get it, get out of like the first, the first game of the playoffs essentially. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And there was this one year where towards the end of the season, for some reason, we just started getting a little spicy. For some reason, we just started getting really spicy. The way the way you it was like, you know, that. a couple of teams talked to us and we talked to them and like, it just, we found this thing that we hadn't really had before as a team. Like we just started getting chippier than we normally were. And then in the first game of the next season, there was a full blown fist fight Mm. that I'm going to say wasn't, wasn't our team's fault. Uh, It was instigated by the other team. And then there were then, so one guy from our team got thrown out. 
Um, it's a co-ed team. It's a co-ed team. Um, okay. One guy from our team got thrown out and one guy from their team got thrown out. Um, the guy from our, our team who got thrown out also like had a pregnant wife on the team. Well, she wasn't playing, but she came to watch the game. I was going to say, Jesus she Christ. Was like, she's back. She's back. She like basically like, man, she, she came back like a trooper. But when he, when he was getting reamed out by, by the other guy, she got into it too. And I can kind of sense that like, the guys on the other team just weren't used to being talked to that way by a woman. <laughs> and it was yeah. like a very interesting thing. Um, and then they, they waited outside. Are you kidding me? For wow. him to come out. And then when he did, like they just started going at him. This is in Canada. I didn't think they did that kind of stuff in Canada. I thought you guys were a lot more chill than that. We're fake nice. Um, so one of the guys on the other team pushed my teammate into the guy that he that he had had the issue with so it looked like both sides were like equally at fault but luckily this was outside and there was camera footage and the edmonton sport and social club somehow they weren't able to get the camera footage but they were able to get a play-by-play of the camera footage which showed that he was pushed so we only lost him for like one game but it set this tone for the rest of the season, or we lost him for a little while. I don't remember, but right. we we had him back for the playoffs. Um, but for, somehow it just set this tone for the rest of the season that I think is like kind of informing how I think about this because like there is just this thing. Most of the time, I'm pretty chill. Like I'm I'm a very level person. But if you piss me off, then like something just comes out of me and it's not something that I can self-generate. And I don't think it's something that anybody on the team could self-generate. And as the year went on, like, you know, we started like losing sportsmanship points. And like, so we win all these games. <laughs> we had sportsmanship. Yeah. So Canada, we had sportsmanship points. Ugh. Um, wow. <laughs> they're called spirit points. And we would, we would win these games and we were getting like no spirit points. So even though we were winning, like, we had to kind of wait out even to make, make the playoffs. Cause like these points actually count, which like, uh, like we can, we don't even That's have to get into any insane, of that. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just, um, but they are just like sports really are just like this more sort of carnal place. Like they're the, they're the place that we go to like release the tension of being civilized. Like they're I an outlet. So. Like they're the place where I like, I'm an asshole if you piss me off in, in, a, in a basketball game. A, I want to see this, but I remember you said this, and uh, th- this would surprise people, I think, about Sirit, is that um, I, w- I was telling one of the stories about getting disrespected, and, uh, and I watched as our buddy Rob Mahoney just started laughing and rolled his eyes. He was like, oh, my God, you're crazy. And then Sirit just t- totally serious expression here it was just like yeah that's what i would have done <laughs> what else are you supposed to you were telling the you were telling the poppy story he called you poppy what like what the, no yeah exactly so no. Sirit is a mama mentality person so all right i w- we were we were talking about how you know self-generated i am this person for this group that i've played with for like 12 13 years now i'm the engine for this so we were playing one time there was this guy i'll You're try dream to- on I'll, yeah, I'll try to get through how this would you, quick. How would, you, how would you self-define, actually? Which which uh, NBA aggressor are you? I'm just, I, I get very, uh, I'm chill a lot of the time, but I'm always kind of looking for somebody. I'm looking for a reason to get motivated. Like a, a little mm. slight, I'm looking yeah. like, you said that, I'll repeat it back to you. You know, I, I'm just kind of a, I'm a little bit of a trash talker. So there's this guy playing. He's a Russian guy. We called him Russian Mike. 
definitely played basketball like a soccer player. So we get down around the basket, getting through this quickly. He rams his shoulder into my mouth, knocks my front tooth out, knocks it out, just clean. So I'm really pissed off, walking around the court. You know, it hurt, you know, yada, yada, yada. He didn't seem to react. I go you home. You had to leave, right? I had to leave. We come back like two weeks later, and he he was not a regular player with our group, but he shows back up, and we're playing again. And um, I made some point about, like, I had been really going at him that day, like, to that. So we'd been guarding each other, and I wanted to guard him. So I was just trying to make his life hell. Like, I, he didn't score. Like, nothing was going to happen for him. We get to the end of it, and he was like, man, you really had it out for me today. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I was just after you knocked my tooth out a couple weeks ago. And he acted like he didn't remember that it happened. So he he... <laughs> He looked at me like, what are you talking about? So that made me even. Did he, did he say anything? Was, just, was he just like, what? He was, yeah, he acted like he didn't know what I was talking about. He was like, I don't, what? I don't. And I was just, and that just enraged me even more. So I'm just, I'm just beside you were, myself. Kyle, Kyle you, were, you were gaslit. Yes, I was. You were gaslit. So I'm serious. Like three or four years go by. I don't see this dude. He doesn't come back and play with us. And I, I'm still like, it's not resolved. So he shows up one day. Did you think about it at any point in those three or four years? Like, you know, how sometimes like you're just like random thoughts come into your head. Like, did you ever just randomly just get pissed off about that guy? It would come up in conversation and I would just, well, because my front tooth is fake. I mean, like he, that happened. I'm living with that for the rest of my life. And so, oh, so he's like, he, like he, he kind of left a part of you. He did. He took okay, a part yeah. of me. So yeah, he took a part of, yeah. So text thread, Russian Mike's coming to play with us. I'm assuming he's never going to hear this. He shows up. I decide well ahead of time that today is going to be the worst day of his life. I like decided. I decide ahead of time. I'm like, he is going to have a terrible time. And and also, I was going to try to score on him at every given opportunity and say something about it. So we play. Not gonna lie, I had like an incredible out of body great offensive day and i'm going at him on defense every time i score i'm like you have no chance guarding me you're you know i'm just like talking all kinds of trash and then he finally just goes what's your problem man and i just in front of everyone i just went i don't like you i don't like the way you play i don't care if you never come back like and and everybody was like (laughs) that's how hot i can get in some of these situations and my friends were all just like laughing, but it's like, I'm like the Draymond. Everybody's like, well, everybody puts up with it, but you can have one person like me, I guess is the moral of the story. If you have more than one, it can just become chaos. I don't know. Or maybe you, maybe you win a bunch of games and lose spirit mm-hmm. points. Like, like serious. Did he ever come back? No, I haven't seen him since. That was like two <laughs> years ago. <laughs> so he didn't. That's and his incredible. friend that, that brought him to the group didn't come back either. So maybe you could say I'm a monster. Anyway, I, I hope that's not. I would love too- if you listen to the podcast. Yeah, maybe. Hopefully, that's not too shocking for the people that think I'm a chill, nice guy. But uh, yeah, there's a there is like a symbiote living in me that uh, can just become venom and bite somebody's head off if you push me the wrong way. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, all right. That's the story you goaded me to tell. That's good to know. Good to know. Good to know. Um, well, hopefully, our energy is continue to balance each other out at a lovely time talking to you today a couple uh, mambas we, we found out right yeah 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 so i don't know like stay tuned guys can we coexist we'll I see don't know. we'll see if we know. fight on air know. we won't edit it out we're gonna keep it in yeah we're gonna keep it in um programming note we will now be publishing on on tuesdays looking forward to that little midweek action so yeah we'll see you guys next tuesday uh thank you kyle thank you chris for producing thanks for listening see ya
This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. 